There's a Vacation Bible School series this year entitled Paul. And it's about the life of the Apostle Paul. And Brother Preston Edmondson and I were asked to participate in different Vacation Bible Schools. He had a lesson on taking the gospel to the world, and so did I, at one place where I spoke. But I'm hoping that he'll be willing one, one day to present that lesson here. And uh, tonight I'm going to present the lesson that I presented at Union Grove last Thursday night in that series. And it's titled, Living in All Good Conscience. And so that's what we're going to talk, talk about for a few minutes tonight. And I hope Preston will uh, maybe give us that lesson on a Wednesday night. Uh, he and I have found that quite interesting, uh, the book that they gave us, the lesson in it, on the one on taking the gospel to the whole world. The author put emphasis on the fact and just about said if you're not doing this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're not doing the will of God. And as folks, we know we've got to take the gospel of the world. But now, there's other things that have to be done too. And uh, so Preston, I know, changed that around a little bit and presented that a little different way. And uh, we certainly certainly appreciate these. That Ron, uh, Brian Sorello and his family came to Eastside to that vacation Bible school, and they had a good one. They They were... A good crowd, and at both places, really, and appreciated having a part in that. So we're going to be thinking for a few moments tonight about this living in all good conscience. One of the greatest characters we read about in the New Testament, of course, is the Apostle Paul. When you think about that, he wrote a good part of the New Testament, the 27 books he wrote either... 13 or 14, some people say he wrote Hebrews, and I don't say that because I don't know whether he did or not, but there's a lot in it that would make you think he is the author of it, and uh, so when you think about that much of the New Testament, he actually wrote, of course we know that he was directed by the Holy Spirit in what he wrote, and we certainly need to, to realize that, but as this series looked at his life, you know that prior to being known as Paul, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. And that's how we're introduced to him. And uh, he made this statement himself uh, in Acts 23 and verse 3. He said, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in this city, at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the manner, perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous, notice this, was zealous toward God, as ye, talking to the council, as ye all are this day. So many of the Jewish people certainly believed in God, and they were very zealous in what they were doing. And that was no exception with Saul of Tarsus. He believed in God, he was very zealous in what he was doing, and he held somewhat a unique position among the Jews because Acts 22 and verse 28 tells us that he was a free-born Roman citizen. And that carried great meaning. 
And he certainly was advancing. And we know from what we study about him that he was advancing above those who were his equals in, in the uh, Jewish religion and really moving ahead in that. So he was, Saul of Tarsus was very zealous toward God. And he worked very hard. And being a freeborn Roman citizen, he uh, had, a, had this unique position. But the thing that we need to understand is Saul of Tarsus firmly believed in God. And he thought what he was doing was what God would have him do. And when he stood before that council, in Acts 23 and verse 1, he made this statement. And Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience until this day. Acts 23 and verse 1. Yet, you think about it, he thought he was serving God. He was very zealous in what he was doing. But all the time he was sinning because he was persecuting the church. And so despite the fact that he had a clear conscience, what he was doing was wrong. And so, all the time he was thinking that he was serving God, but all the time he was actually sinning against God because he was persecuting Christians, persecuting the church. (laughs) Now, as we look at some of the background, let's go to Acts 6. Acts chapter 6. We're introduced here to a man that played a very important role in introducing us to the Apostle. Acts 6, we have the situation presented in verse 1, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And then the twelve, that's the twelve apostles, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually <laughs> to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now notice, the church is growing. And there's difficulty becoming now when the you have increased number of people. You have increased difficulties. And that's what they were faced with here. Not all the widows were being properly cared for. And so the apostles took that matter in hand and told them to select out men to do this work of taking care of the ministration. <laughs> but this man, Stephen, is one of those men who was appointed. Stephen was a great individual, a great preacher of the word. And uh, when you go on down, look at verse 8. It says, And Stephen, 
full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. You see, the Jews were having a hard time with the fact Jesus the Christ they did not accept. And you know that that's what Stephen was preaching. This man is the Christ. This man is the Savior of the world. And so that was offensive to the Jews, and they began to dispute with Stephen because of this. <laughs> Verse 9, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of Libertines, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen, and they were not able to resist, watch this, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. This man was preaching the truth. And so they couldn't stand against that. They tried, but look what they did. Verse 11, Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. They stirred up the people, taking men who would lie and say that they heard him speak against Moses (coughs) and against God. Because you see, as far as they were concerned, That's exactly what he was doing, that he was speaking against God. And so then, that's the accusation that they were making. And so they stirred up the people, and they caught him and brought him to the council. And verse 13, and set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. (coughs) Well, you have the situation set forth here now where Stephen, a great preacher of the gospel, preaching the truth. And yet these Jews rejected that. They didn't want to hear that. And they were trying to find a way to stop him. That's exactly what they were doing. And so then, (coughs) you go on then, uh, through Acts 7, and you're told of the decision to put Stephen to death. And then you move over to chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and look at verse 1. Here's where Saul comes into the picture. And Saul was, well, let's, let's take the last part of chapter 7 first. <clears throat> Start with verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him, what they did to Stephen. They gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost looking up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open 
and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This great gospel preacher died because he was preaching the truth. He was setting forth Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. And these Jews were so opposed to that that they did anything they could to stop him. And so Stephen then winds up losing his life, stoned to death for doing that which was right, for preaching the gospel. Now look at Acts 8 and verse 1. Here's Saul again. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Saul was consenting unto his death. Here's a man who, as he later stated, lived his whole life in all good conscience. But at this point, he was sinning against God. He was going against the will of God because he didn't understand yet what the gospel was all about. So Saul's actions in the stoning of Stephen and the fact that he consented to his death, he did that in all good conscience. He thought he was serving God. He thought he was doing what God would have him to do. So Saul of Tarsus, along with many other Jews, rejected Christ at that time as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. The Bible plainly says, John says, He came to His own, and His own received Him not. John 1 verse 11. The Jews were strictly opposed to Christ. They didn't want any part of this this message that Stephen was preaching, that He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. He's He's the promised Messiah. And so, they took action. They stoned him to death. Now, as far as Saul and the other Jews were concerned, here's what Stephen was doing. For them, he was blaspheming God. And we find this verse in Leviticus 24 and verse 16. And this verse tells us the action to be taken against those who blaspheme God. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord... He shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him, as well as the stranger, as that uh, and as he that is born in the land, when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, shall be put to death. That was the law. That if anybody blasphemed the name of the Lord, they would be put to death. So you see these Jews who stoned Stephen. And Saul, one of them, 
giving his full consent to what was going on, thinking that he was serving God, thinking that he was doing what God would have him to do. But you see, even after this, Saul did not stop persecuting the church. Look at verse 2 of Acts 8. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Persecuting the church. Remember what Jesus said to him when he appeared to him? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Here he was persecuting Christ, persecuting the church, doing it in all good conscience because he thought he was doing what God would have him to do. And how sad that is. But looking back on this later, go over to Acts 26 with me. (laughs) Acts 26. Acts 26, look at verse 9. Notice what Saul of Tarsus formerly known, now Paul the Apostle. And look at what he says. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received the authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. When he looked back, he's a Christian, of course, at this point, and when you look back, he admitted that he did much to persecute the church. But he was doing that in all good conscience because he thought he was serving God. And folks, that same thing goes on today. People thinking that they're serving God thinking that they're doing the will of God, in all good conscience, teaching false doctrine, doing those things that are contrary to the will of God. And they're doing it in all good conscience because just like Saul of Tarsus, they think they're serving God. (laughs) Go to Romans chapter 10. As Paul wrote these different epistles and books of the Bible, after he became a Christian, after he had obeyed the gospel, things changed totally for him. But Romans 10, notice what he says here. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You see the difficulty? The Jews thought they were doing God's will. They thought they were doing what He wanted them to do. They were still, of course, living under that old law. And that's why they took the action that they did. Why, this Stephen, he's blaspheming the name of the Lord. We've got to put him to death. And that's exactly what they did. And at that point, Saul was in full agreement with that. 
and did exactly what they wanted to do. But here, this is of course after he was an after an apostle, after he's a Christian, and looking back, my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He was in that same frame of mind as those people. He was going about to establish his own righteousness rather than listening to the truth and following the truth. <clears throat> Turn to First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> Notice here beginning with verse 11. This is Paul writing, of course. He says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithfully, putting me into the ministry, who was, notice that, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Oh, there's so many people like that today that they're ignorantly thinking that they're serving God when they haven't gone to the Bible to study and learn what the truth is. So Saul very clearly shows that people can sin while living in all good conscience toward God. That's exactly what he was doing. And that's what these Jews were doing who were insisting on the fact that Jesus was not the Christ, that Stephen was preaching false doctrine when actually he was preaching the truth. So here's what a lesson that we learn from this. The conscience can be wrong. The conscience can be taught wrong. Saul's conscience had been trained as he was taught that old law. Working under the great man Gamaliel, he was taught in the strictest manner of the old law <laughs> and because he thought that that's exactly what God would have him to do. And people do, doing the same thing today. Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And note this in verse 11. Well, let's start with verse 10. And ye are complete in him, in Christ, of course, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. This is where the circumcision comes in. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him, through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now here it is, verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. One of the greatest difficulties today 
with people that still try to go back and live by that old, old commandment law, the Ten Commandment law, is helping them see and understand that this law has been taken out of the way. It no longer applies. And we're told very plainly that the purpose of that law was to bring us to Christ. And that's exactly what has to, to, to transpire. So then you see, when the conscience has been trained wrong, it has to be retrained. It has to be retrained according to the will of God. <laughs> Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> Look at verse uh, 20. And unto the Jews, this is Saul, uh, Paul the apostle speaking, and unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Now watch the wording right here. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. We're under law to Christ today. That's what he was, and that's what we are today. Under the law to Christ. We can't go back and live by that Old Testament. Surely we learn from it. We know. The Bible very plainly teaches that those things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So that Old Testament is important. It helps us understand. In fact, without it, we couldn't have a good understanding of the New Testament. And so we need to understand then that when the conscience has been trained wrong, it must be retrained. All people today then need to ensure that their conscience is trained to follow the law of God. And like Saul, should retain their conscience any time, retrain their conscience any time they find that the conscience does not agree with the Word of God. Now, the Bible is plain on something that you read in Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus was teaching there, and he said, Not everyone shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So when the conscience has been trained wrong, it must be retrained. To be in, a, in accordance with the will of God. Now, here's the thing we need to understand, though, concerning this retraining. God's word must be the standard in retraining the conscience. John, the 12th chapter, verse 48, Jesus made this statement. He that rejecteth me and rejecteth my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The word of God is going to judge us. And remember what God said <coughs> when he said concerning Christ, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. 
Matthew 17, verse 5, on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. And so then, when the conscience has been trained wrong, it has to be retrained, but the Word of God has to be the standard in that retraining. Christ's doctrine or teaching came from God. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but His that sent me. John 7, verse 16. And that little verse we find in Colossians 3 and verse 17. It's a very meaningful verse. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, the, ones you, the things you say, the things you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3 verse 17. We must have a thus saith the Lord for everything we do in our service to God. And many people are going along thinking that they are serving God as he would have them to do when their conscience has been trained wrong, they're off altogether, and they need to be retrained. Turn to 1 Timothy 3, and here's something that you're very, very familiar with. In, in 1 Timothy, or that's 2 Timothy, chapter 3, <coughs> verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine that's teaching for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly or thoroughly furnished unto all good works we must ensure that we help people retrain their conscience to bring it in accordance with the word of God the word of God has to be the standard Jim has preached that over and over to us that the word of God is what we must base everything on that we do. If it's not based on that, then we may be going the wrong direction like a lot of people are today. So then, a properly trained conscience is a tool of righteousness. We see this in Saul of Tarsus. When his conscience was retrained, he became a very effective tool in righteousness. He became a very powerful preacher of the word. Turn to Acts 16. <clears throat> Acts 16. <clears throat> Look at verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, a few days later, if you look at your Bible, you know that's not what it says. And that this vision appeared to him. There stood the man and said, come over and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately he endeavored, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering, that the Lord hath called us to preach the gospel unto them. Well, this is just one place that he went, of course. But he went into Macedonia. He didn't waste any time. When he was told to go by that vision, he immediately went. He became a very effective worker of righteousness. And Paul was specifically chosen by God to preach the gospel. Acts 9, verse 15. And Ananias was told when he was told to go to, go to Saul of Tarsus, who was praying. And... Uh, 
You can think about this and picture Ananias. He knows who Saul of Tarsus is. He knows what he's been doing. And he began to question. I don't know whether I want to go to that man or not. He's putting Christians in jail. He's standing against them when, they, when they're put to death. But Acts 9 verse 15 says, Go thy way. That's what he was told. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Acts 9 verse 15. Yes, what a great work of righteousness he became when his conscience was returned. Now go with me to the book of Romans again. Romans chapter 1. And look at verse 14 in Romans 1. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Yes, the retraining of his conscience made a big difference. He became an effective worker of righteousness. Now I just have a, another point I want to make. <clears throat> we have a lot going on today where consciences have been trained wrong. Jim can tell you. There are places in the Lord's church today where the Lord's Supper is being taken on a Thursday night. There are places in the Lord's church today where things are being done that are not according to the will of God. And yet, apparently, it's being done in all good conscience, thinking that they're serving God. Now, we know Acts 20 and verse 7 makes it plain. The Lord's Supper is to be taken on the first day of the week. And my conscience needs to be trained according to that teaching. I need to submit to that. I need to partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. And I have no right, and no one else has any right, to come along and change that to another day of the week. And yet it's being done. Apparently being done in all good conscience. Worship in truth demands that we sing praises to God in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's exactly what Ephesians 5.19 says. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Ephesians 5, verse 19. Now, some congregations are ignoring that teaching. Right here in our area, one group pulled out of one congregation that was already a little off track and said, we want to have a more contemporary worship service. So we're going to go out here and start another group. And they did. I can tell you exactly where it is, too where they meet folks people who have consciences that are not 
offended by things like this need their conscience retrained. They need to come to the knowledge and understanding that we must do what God says do like God says do it because He's God. He's the Creator. And that's what's so important today where people are falsely worshiping God, going against His will, thinking all the time that they're serving God. They're wrong. Saul of Tarsus was a man who lived in good conscience. He was very zealous of God. Yet in his early life, he was living in ignorance of the will of God and going against the teaching. So we learn from studying his life that one's conscience can be retrained and brought into a right relationship with God when that conscience is trained according to the Word of God. I thought that might be helpful to us. Just give a little consideration to that.